And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, the beat writer for the Athletic who covers your Tigers. He's a man that doesn't need an introduction, but for some reason, every single week, I feel like he deserves one. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right, Kieran. Another long week. Another rough series in Houston. Uh, rough week for me, but you know what? I am still here. I'm excited to do this podcast. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get to why it was a rough week later, but I want to start out by saying a happy belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out yeah. there um, who have uh, helped nurture and put up with baseball fanatics such as ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I I often think of my mom sitting at. Little League games, all those long Saturdays, knowing that she had really no interest in the games. And, you know, let's be honest, we think back about baseball at that age. It's, 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 you know, it's pretty rough watching, you know? So uh, shout out to all the moms who allowed us to grow in our love of the game of baseball. And so I just want to get that out of the way. Some positivity to start this podcast before we get in into some not so positive things so the tigers they're not scoring a lot of runs cody and as i kind of tried to formulate how i thought about what i was seeing this week i kind of i was trying to draw an analogy see if you follow me here aj hinch as manager is a chef and he more or less is given ingredients. Some of them are not available, right? Injuries. Some of them are not ripe, too young, not, you know, not quite ready. Some of them are expired. And you got to use them anyway. Not going to name names. And in his job is to try to formulate a recipe to win a game. And it just seems like the ingredients are not there and part of that is just circumstance part of that is you know some choices he makes and 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 what i mean by that is i saw actually a more pushback on aj hinch managerial decisions this week than i probably would say i've seen since he became manager of the tigers which, if we're getting to the point where we're, like, if you're a Tigers fan and you're questioning A.J. Hinch, like, then you're all the way up there on, on the panic meter. We did the panic meter last. You're, you're at a C with a, a couple exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> and and to me, like, like, look, that's part of it. When you're the one making decisions, like, that kind of thing, those kind of things are going to happen. But... As disappointed as I am as what I'm watching, I'm also kind of coming back to like, well, you know, it, what would I expect with all the things that have, and we've talked about this a lot, this podcast, because that's been the theme of the season. What would I expect if like XYZ, these players, we just had another uh, starting pitcher go on IL this week. I mean, what would I expect with all that? However... I guess my main point is you're losing games three to two. You're giving up a flat, like a, a foul, a, a fly out 
and every single we talk about ballparks as Tigers people, a flyout in every single ballpark, except for the one that you're playing in, mm-hmm. and it happens to happen with the bases loaded, and you could yeah you know, I know it wasn't a four nothing game, but you could argue that was like pretty depleting, you know, especially being on the road. There's the circumstances are just piling up against the Tigers, and the schedule is. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna come back. It's very unforgiving when you gotta play more games than you have days. So I'm gonna bring back the whole the schedule is unforgiving thing because <laughs> I think that's fair when you when your games outnumber your days. But at the same time, yes, they do need to play a whole lot better. I like what AJ Hinch had to say today, where it's like we're not good enough. We're not playing good enough. But we also can't like project all this stuff over the long term. We just they have no choice. They got a game tomorrow, and then two games, and then a game, and then a game, and then a game, and then a game. It's it's one of those things where there's a lot of chicken s, and AJ's got to make some chicken salad. But at the same time, the ingredients that are in there are underperforming, and they have to do well. Does that make any sense does that make any sense Cody no I mean I think that's a perfect analogy you're right I think really for the first time as Tigers manager I saw a lot of comments I mean granted this is kind of the social media crowd but I saw a lot of what's AJ Hinch thinking when uh, when are you going to start asking AJ Hinch you know the tough questions when you know a lot of criticism about his lineups and you know I'll agree if AJ Hinch is AJ Hinch I think and this coaching staff are the last people you want to pin this on. The Tigers, I think, are still lucky to have these guys. But I think there's a point in that last year we talked all year, AJ just seemed to have the magic touch. Every move he made, whether it was conventional, whether it was unconventional, just seemed to work. He seemed to always have the touch. And that hasn't really been the case this year. Um, I think sometimes that's how baseball goes. That's how managing goes when you have pretty much no one one of your team who is performing offensively, but it has, you know, kind of diminished the AJ, you know, AJ Hinch magic, so to speak. As for the lineups, you know, playing Badu, not playing Badu, Torkelson up and down, leaving scope in the middle of the order for too long. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like we've addressed this before. Who else are you going to put in there? Like, yeah. you, you don't have anyone. And I'm, I'm sorry if you think the answer is Cody Clemens or someone in AAA. I, I fear you were probably mistaken. Um, Spencer Torkelson is one of the best prospects in baseball and he's hitting below 200 because the major leagues are really, really hard. What's really flummoxed me though, is just like trying to figure out why are these guys, like, why are these hitters struggling? Because there's not one common theme that I've really been able to identify other than pretty much no one is hitting and, but it's not like they're all chasing. It's not like not that many guys are chasing outside their normal rates. I mean, Javi Baez and Willie Castro chase a lot of bad pitches, and they've done that their whole careers. Jonathan Scope, you look at the metrics, and it's like, okay, his swing decisions are about the same, like his launch angle is about the same, all that. Um, I don't know if he's got some mechanical flaw that's just preventing him from driving the ball. I don't know. I'm doing this story for Monday that kind of gives one stat on each player that maybe explains something about what's going on, but it's like, I think he got nine guys in the order who seem to be struggling for nine different reasons just day in and day out. And it's been tough to put a finger on. And it's 
uh, I think surprising that it has gone on this long. So there's one of those things that we see in baseball, like, oh, long season will change, it'll change, it'll change. Well, we're, you know, season's still young, but we're 27 games into this thing, and it's getting bad. The Tigers' playoff odds on fan graphs are, I believe, down to like 1.7% or something thereabouts. So not great. So you bring up Torgelson and, you know, up and down the lineup and, and sort of his flow, and he is a rookie, and as you said, one of the best prospects in baseball, universally considered. So one of the things that Dan Dickerson said on the radio today was that they're they're trying to get Torkelson, the Tigers are, to sort of, they're judging him on 20 at-bats at a time. So I heard that, and I said, all right, well, how have those 20 at-bats gone so far this year? And now, I will say, this is not exact. I kind of went by games and the amount of official at-bats. So some of them are a little more, some of them are a little less than 20, but I think people can get a picture. He started out 3-for-19. That included two extra base hits, three RBIs, or RBI, excuse me. We um, he went 6-for-20 in his next 20 official at-bats, and again, that was two extra base hits and five RBI, three walks as well. Then he went 3-for-21 with zero extra base hits and 10 strikeouts. And basically since the calendar turned uh, to May, he is 1-for-18, two walks, and uh, basically no power no power to speak of, no extra base hits. So mm-hmm. that's rookie struggling, but it's also variance. Like there's, the, like, you know, try to... try. Try to dissect those numbers. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just one of those things. And we talked about him wanting, you know, maybe be more aggressive early in the counts. Maybe, you know, the strikeouts are, you know, kind of baked into the cake for him. I just think the bottom line is, I'm a, I'm a simplest answer is the most correct one. Guy. It's just a guy trying to figure out major league pitching. Because, you know, there's nothing to really draw from that, in my opinion. And there's probably yeah. a lot of them that are also like that, too. Yeah, this is one of the things that is in Monday's story, but I went to look. It's like, does this guy really take more pitches than the average hitter? Like, is there something to maybe he needs to be a tad more aggressive? And as I've said, like, I don't want to say a guy who has a great plate approach and draws walks needs to, like, swing more, but turns out, all right, on uh, Baseball Savant, there's a pretty good breakdown. It shows you, like, the amount of pitches someone sees over the heart of the plate the amount someone sees in what's called the shadow, which is kind of edge of the strike zone, just out of the strike zone. And then there's chase pitches that are, you know, clearly balls. Torkelson, I think the league average take rate for shadow pitches is like 41%. Torkelson takes those pitches like 62% of the time. So a lot more than league average. He's watching a lot. And some of them are balls. Obviously he's had umpires, not super favorable to him. Uh, seems like he might be hurting himself in counts with the frequency that he is taking those pitches. I don't know. I think it was kind of in that six for 20 spell. He hit the homer in Kansas city. thought he started handling the inside pitches a little bit better. I thought he was really going to get going and it just didn't happen. And again, I don't know if I can put a thumb on exactly why. Um, you're right. Maybe it's a back to Occam's razor and, all these guys are just struggling and trying to figure it out and trying to look beyond that was is just contorting yourself um, into a bunch of weird shapes trying to make sense of, uh, of a game that doesn't always make sense. Well, I'll say this. I only want this to be 
like a brief point, but I, I I do think it is a factor. So we we, and I I still maintain this belief that we did like a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was about like the baseballs change adjust. I still I still believe that. However, yeah. however, it, it 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 might be one of those things that like how many like pure power hitters are on this team? None. So if you're not one of those pure power hitters and the and the ball changes and you're not getting essentially for lack of a better term like the benefit of the doubt like with the you know with the ball to go over the go over the wall that probably hurts you more so maybe this is an example of the tigers hitters being punished more with the new ball because they they don't have the natural acumen of being a like a pure slugger. That said, as I said, very very brief point. That said, adjust. Like I'm not making any excuses, but adjust. And if we're talking about rhyme or reason stuff, is there any rhyme or reason to Jamer Candelario figuring out? Because since uh, let me get my notes here. Since again the calendar, he's ten for twenty. I'm throwing out Sunday. The, the batters didn't play on Sunday, so I'm just going to say that they, 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 just, they, you know, it was just a pitching matchup on the other side. 10 for 26, two home runs, two doubles, 385. Like, there's not a rhyme or reason to that other than proven track record. And that was something that we've all been looking for, and we're still looking for for Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope, a guy that has a track record as well. Uh, reasons? I don't have reasons. All I know is now he's hitting the ball and Scope is still not hitting the ball. Supposedly his swings have, like, improved. Again, that's going off Dan on the radio. Like, you know, good, put some good licks on the ball. He did get the he did get the lone hit today. So we got we to gotta give credit there. Broke his, what was it, 0 for 27 streak, I believe. Something like that. I mean, yeah. that, There's I mean. A lot rough. of bad numbers, so I've started mixing some of them up. <laughs> Yeah, rough nonetheless uh, but but i thought jamer you know i thought in the two day really one day homestand against the pirates total eye test but i just thought he was swinging the bat better i thought he looked a little more aggressive at the plate i think he hit a double in one of those games and i was like i wouldn't be surprised if jamer starts turning it on and sure enough for the most part he did uh excluding sunday in houston it looks like maybe jamer is getting going a little bit um I think some of it's getting better pitches to hit. He's always been weak against breaking balls. That's absolutely been the case. He actually is uh, homers this year are off breaking balls, but his average against breaking balls is still very bad. Um, pitchers are attacking him. I think they, you know, the rap on him is out, but it was out last year and he held his own. I think he just got some hittable pitches and he did his job. You know, maybe there's an element of luck to dude got a couple pitches he could handle. Uh, but I think he was a little shorter to the baseball. That's good. You want to see the same thing from scope and it's like, okay, when is scope going to come around? And then again, as I'm looking like, why exactly is scope doing so poorly? And if, if he, this is just going off like his stat cast profile or whatever, but there's not one thing that sticks out. He's just not hitting. He's just not hitting the ball. Um, I don't know if that answers the question at all um and then you know i saw the same thing when torkelson got just like a base knock saturday against the astros i was like 
you know, opposite field single, nothing special, but I was like, maybe that's the hit he needs. It was a good at bat. He put a good swing on the ball, took it the other way, uh, and then rather quickly, you know, um, did not look as good in his ensuing at bats this weekend. I guess my main thing right now is it just, you know, it's like Kieran, summarize like the, the Tigers team batting in one word. I would probably say uneven. It's like, because it's not like there aren't well performers in the lineup. I mean, Baez's numbers, they, they're not as good as they were last week, but overall, I'm, I'm not I'm not stressing about Baez yeah, at the plate. He's doing some things for you. And, and Austin Meadows, we've talked Austin about. Meadows is really good. And, and then, again, Jamers come along. Torkelson's had his moments. You know, Miguel Cabrera, for what for his age and all that stuff for a long time was looking fine, you know, to, to scope, to scope. And, and then it's just like a bottom drop, you know, and, you know, Badu has really struggled and the, some, a lot of the guys that you're sort of like counting on taking steps up. I mean, Grossman's start to the year, uh, really hurt your, uh, really hurt you coming out of the gate. It's just uneven. I don't like, that, that's the only real word I come up with. It's just uneven. And, of course, like, the wrinkle of the Riley Green injury. Like, we're still – it's not necessarily that I want to talk about him getting hurt in spring training. It's just that that trickles out in so many ways that I just can't help but come back to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Riley Green's injury has a damn thing to do with Jonathan Scope not being able to hit or Jamer Candelario getting off to a slow starter or Akil Badu – uh, cannot hit a slider to save his life, and he's getting pounded with him, you know, kind of low and in. Because um, it's it's everybody. Like, I don't... It's weird. And they've played in warmer climates. They played indoors. They played in Houston this week. All right, the weather excuse is out. The baseball, everyone's dealing with the baseball. Other teams are still bashing it. The Tigers have 11 home runs. And it is very... No one can just say, oh, well, hit a home run. All right, I, I, Major League hitter, whatever. Hitting a home run is very hard. But at the end of the day, your Major League Baseball team, you should have more than 11 collective home runs. And I think that brought up old criticisms also resurfaced this week. We talked about A.J. Hinch criticisms. The Al Avila criticisms also came back in full force. And, oh, full and, force. you know, I think if you look at Al's moves the past two, two-plus years, pretty good. But... The broad scope, uh, should the Tigers have more established pieces in place, at least like one or two more established pieces in place? I've always thought so. And you were kind of banking on Jamer to be one of those guys. And now we're back to like, well, kind of, you know. And you thought you had, like, I don't know. I think there's there, there's validity to bring that back up because I brought this up before the season started. Is your lineup actually that good? Who's your all-star? Right now, your all-star in terms of position players, you have none. Your all-star is probably like Michael Fulmer right now. That's that's about all you got. <sighs> yeah, and, you know, you bring up Al, and uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with this for probably another two years, <laughs> maybe more, but there, there are a couple things that whenever, especially in Houston, but whenever the Tigers and the Astros play, there are two things that just have to become talking points. Number one is the Verlander trade. Which we don't have to rehash it now. <laughs> the return has not turned out not to be good. 
Looks worse to, every to year. To be quite what you thought. I will say, I'm always one of those people that's like, if you want to judge the results, fine. But also keep in mind what was thought of at the time. No one was thinking that the Tigers got fleeced sure. at the time. Sure. So, well, you know, that just that's just how it happens. Uh, the other thing is the A.J. Hinch part of it. It's a team that he was he was fired from managing a world championship team, a world championship caliber team because of a crazy circumstance of which he has owned up to his responsibility being part of. Now, this past weekend, because the first time with him in Houston and there's no COVID protocols, or I guess in terms of, uh, you know, the amount of media access. So there's a huge scrum. There's all these Houston people going around the AJ asking about his time in Houston. And, and I'm just going to read the quote. When I got to Detroit, it was the first time I managed not where I live, not where I call my home. Talking about Houston, I miss the people. I miss the drive into the ballpark. I miss being around friends and family on a regular basis. And oh my God, did this weekend start with a fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was, that was something else. Uh, and I said that this was Houston media asking the question because these are con- contextual things that that we gotta keep in mind. Uh, you can speak on this more, Cody, but I'll give a, a quick spiel. Like, if there is a person with a camera on their shoulder. They're not looking for an in-depth answer when the question is asked. They're looking for a soundbite. Soundbite, 10 to 15 seconds. That's a 10 to 15 second soundbite. AJ Hinch, Mrs. Houston, here's highlights of the game. Some B-roll, the Astros win, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, an AJ Hinch's second return, the Houston or whatever. Boom, clip, 10 o'clock news. Work done. It's... Not really something that's meant to... I just feel like it was being read into too much because what do you want him to say? What do you want him to say when it's all these people that he, you know, knew? You know, all these reporters he was familiar with. It is still physically his home. Was he supposed to bash Houston? Right. Yeah, it sucked. You know, like, (laughs) you know, turns out my HOA was just full of people that are ripping me off on the hedge trimmings, you know? Like, what... What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? That's my thing. I thought it was much to do about nothing. I think AJ's very smart. He was placating his audience. And then, of course, the Detroit audience takes that. I will say some media, Detroit media, like web editors, kind of took advantage of that. Uh, with, like, there's a bad headline headlines. too out there. Yeah, so, and I'm not going to name names, but you could probably see them. I thought that was, but, you know, that's the name of the game. You got to get people to click on your articles. I get it. Uh... But that was kind of my thing. I was just like, oh, God, this is the uh, I was rolling my eyes at at, at the outrage because, I mean, as uh, you know, not very smart, but I was a J school guy. I kind of know how those people are operating, but you know how this works in Major League Baseball, obviously, and I don't. So what was kind of your read on that situation? Yeah, I thought this was dumb. Like, why are we talking about this? Number one, AJ Hinch already returned to Houston last year and answered all these same questions. He does yep. he does it again. And I feel look, bad for him on that part. Could there the be a world in which AJ Hinch were to leave the Tigers? Say 
for another better team. You know, maybe. I kind of tend to think probably not, but hey, if, Karen, if, um, you know, the Yankees call you and, and say, hey, would you, do you want a job? Are you going to at least think about it? Yeah. You're probably going to think about it. You're probably going to at least absolutely. like, mm, I'll have to consider it. Yep. Okay. And if someone points a camera in my face and says, how do you feel about Amarillo, Texas? How do you feel about Stillwater, Oklahoma? I'm going to say, well, you know, both great places. Enjoyed my time there. Very much miss my, my family and friends. And, you know, sometimes it's hard being up in Detroit, living this far away from home. Sometimes I miss my family, miss seeing my friends on a regular basis. That's probably about what I would say. And I have no plans to ever live in Amarillo, Texas or Stillwater, Oklahoma again. You know, it doesn't mean they're bad places. It doesn't mean it just means like you can say positive things about a place. It's not at all relevant to like your future career job decisions. Also, just if I were... I don't want to speculate about this too much because I don't really think it's it's fair to look too far down the line at people's careers. But like, if he were to leave, man, I don't think it'd be for Houston. All right, AJ's not from Houston. It's not his hometown. His uh, his oldest daughter is a senior in high school, and when she finishes high school, like, I would not be surprised if they uh, get a home elsewhere, whether it's an off-season home, whether it's in Detroit, whatever. Maybe they'll stay there because they do know a lot of people there. That's That was their home for, like, a great period of their lives. But, like, to base it off AJ saying, oh, yeah, I miss being around my family. Houston's great. That's just that's just reading way, way too much into it. Yeah, you're right. And, and it was one of those things that just, it, like, bled. It, it, it was... There's there's a fire on Tiger's Twitter because of the record. And then it was like, all right, there's just a smidge of gasoline. <laughs> right. And, of course, the, the, the whole, like, you just hinted at it, but I'll say the words out loud. Not that we know it to be a thing, but just because it was talked about, the whole opt-out thing, contract, rumor, speculation, like, if you believe in that, then there was your opportunity to pounce, you know? And so it was just one of those things that was like a perfect formula. It was dumb. I agree with you. It was dumb that it was brought up to begin with. And, you know, I consider you, Cody, a pretty damn smart guy. Yeah, I think... I think AJ Hinch is one of the smartest people that I've sort of like, you know, followed. You know, obviously I've never met him, but followed. It's not like he was caught off guard by this. He was just saying for the audience that, that like, you know, saying, I, I like this town. You know, like uh, he had great memories there. What do you want him to do? Like, not like the town that he <laughs> lived in <laughs> for, you know, how, what was it, six years, five yeah, years, whatever yeah. it was, that he still currently. What do you want him to do? Say it sucks and get his house egged? You know, like, like, come on. Come on, people. Like, like, relax. If the team was winning, I don't think we'd be talking about this. But because of the losses, it be it, it became a story. Um, all right. So, speaking of Houston Connections, uh, you wrote this week, Cody, about the brother of a beloved former Detroit Tiger, current Houston Astro, Justin Verlander, Ben Verlander, who has become a social media, digital media sensation in the 
in the baseball landscape. And let me kind of say this in two parts and put this out there. No one pretends that him being Justin Verlander's brother is not like a thing. Like it is a thing. Also, he's earned his keep. Both can be true. That's just my opinion. And I thought your story explained it all. And I think there was some graph in there where you said that, you know, yes, he is Justin Verlander's brother, you know, X, Y, Z. And then here's, you know, kind of how he, his platform grew. And it explained it. I didn't really think it was a promotional piece. I just thought like, all right, well, that's how he kind of became as big as he is because because I'll be honest, like obviously Verlander's not the most like common of last names and you know, he does have a certain look to him, but like when he like first kind of came on the scene, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if that's Justin's brother." Like, I don't know, could be could not could could be could not be, you know, he it wasn't like he was just tweeting about, you know, Verlander's sick curveball. <laughs> you know, it, it seemed like a baseball fan account, and it seemed like, uh, not not fan account, but a fan of baseball account that was kind of hyping up some of the game's biggest stars. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's his brother. Because, you know, what, you know, there's not a lot of people mining the 13th, 14th round draft picks and figuring out guys who have to retire after, you know, reaching single A ball. Not an insult, but I'm just saying, like, it's not like he made a marquee name for himself in the major leagues and that, you know what I mean. To me, it just kind of explained how we got here. And not everybody kind of felt that way, I guess, Cody. I don't know. It didn't really seem like it. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Um Let's start with a couple things. Remember, there was a time this offseason when I was like, oh, yeah, it must be easier to get A.J. Hinch on your podcast if your last I name remember. is Verlander. I remember. I said that. Because guess what? Yeah. It is. It is. It's easier to get pretty much anyone in the baseball world to talk to you when you're Justin Verlander's brother. I knew that. It's the reality. Uh, when Ben Verlander first started kind of tweeting and all this, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not... I like to make fun of people who do the all caps and the emojis, but then over time you just kept doing it day in and day out. And now when I log on Twitter, the way I'm seeing a lot of national baseball highlights, the way I'm hearing about what's going on in the day before I get home from the park and click on the MLB network, it's been Verlander's Twitter feed. Okay. And I also don't love it when people are like just quote unquote good at Twitter. So I've listened to several of his interviews to a couple full episodes of his podcast. He's had a lot of Tigers people on. He had a great chat with Spencer Torgelson. I think he does a good job. Obviously, he's played the game at the professional level. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, I had a lot of people question why I wrote this story. Like, you know, was it something from Fox? Was it like a favor for the Verlander family? Uh, I'll tell you, I've never spoken to Justin Verlander in my life because I... He was long gone when I started covering the Tigers. I'd never spoken to Ben Verlander before this story. I need something to write. Tigers were playing the Astros. I'm like, I don't think anyone's really written the story of kind of how Ben Verlander came to be. So I emailed 
Fox Sports PR. And I did not hear back from Fox Sports PR for two days. So I DM'd Ben Verlander, said, hey man, kind of want to do this story about just like how you got here, how you found your voice. Would you be down to talk? And he was like, yeah. And we chatted on the phone and it was a great phone conversation. The one thing I really wanted to highlight, um, and he brought it up a lot, but it was already kind of in my mind. The guy's actually positive about baseball. I think it's not that other people aren't, but look, sports had a lot of negative publicity. There are a lot of, uh, I think, people who talk about the game with big platforms who don't necessarily show passion. Hell, you can go on the reviews for our podcast and it'll say, oh, whining host, or it'll say, you know, I seem disinterested. And you know what? My style is not Ben Verlanders. I almost wish it could be. That's just not like, if I were to try to be like that, it just wouldn't come off as authentic. Um, it's just not my personality. It is Ben Verlander's personality. It does come off to me as very authentic. It's who he is. Uh, so I talked to him. I wrote this story and proceeded to get blasted, murdered on Twitter, uh, deleted the Twitter app from my phone for most of Friday because um, it was, it was you know, one of the worst, like, going viral in a bad way things I've ever experienced. Um, here's kind of my take on this now. I hope, I believe... Uh, that we can have a world in which uh, diverse hiring practices are greatly improved, in which systemic inequalities are rooted out and improved. And I think Ben Verlander can still have a job talking in baseball media, and I think that's okay. Um, he's a former ball player, good-looking dude. His last name does indeed give him immediate credibility as Fox Sports is trying to make it stamp on the digital space. He checks several boxes to get hired, and it's not like he's bad at what he does. I think he's good at his job. Um, so I was a little surprised by the intensity of the blowback. I have a million analogies running through my head here, including like examples like if if people remember Seinfeld, the Puerto Rican Day Parade, there was major protests with that, and Seinfeld talked about, uh, like, he talked to, like, a leader of a Puerto Rican organization, and he said, well, did you watch this, the episode? And they go, no, we just assume that it's bad. He's like, okay, well, you're, then you're not a serious person. So my point is, I bet you how much, how many of those people, like, really read the story? Because, again, it's late out there. Like, that, like... If, if this was just, like, some nod to the Verlander, you know, family or some wink for Fox Sports or whatever, like, yeah, we'd be having a different conversation here. But what you said in less words was, like, put in the story. Like, it didn't hide from the fact that the Verlander thing is a thing. And to me, it's, it, it, like, the outrage had to be lazy and probably people that didn't actually read the story so the lesson here is people everybody read the story because <laughs> because that solves a lot of issues and that doesn't just apply to god can you imagine how much of a better place twitter would be if people read the story it'd be it'd be a lot better i think because there's a lot of nuance and a lot of context and a lot of just information that is missing whenever headline provocateurs, you know, kind of invest the space. Maybe that's just Twitter, though. 140, 280 characters. That's just what we do. 
but I, it, it, AJ Hinch like talking about how Houston was like you know like he has fond memories of Houston, criticizing this thing that you know Ben is doing. To me, it's like, really, bro, is that what we're doing? Really? I mean, because my thought is, you're right. Baseball's you know doesn't get talked about on a daily basis like some of the other sports. It's happens at a time in the summer where vacations happen. So like, you know, like TV ratings are lower and, you know, just like in general, TV ratings are lower in the summer months. It's got a lot of things going against it. And I think people like Ben Verlander are good for the promotion of the game. And I congratulate him on his platform. But, you know, you would have thought that he had just been gifted, like, the lead reporter job on 60 Minutes, the way the the outrage is going. Like, (laughs) he works for Fox Digital, you know what I mean, who broadcasts three games a week. You know, like, like, I don't know. I just, it, it was even more much to do about nothing, in my opinion. And you're right. We can have, we can have a world where diversity is increased and the Ben Verlanders of the world are also allowed to have that platform. It can't happen. But I don't, I don't, it's just my personal opinion. You can disagree with me. I don't think that's taking. I don't think that's yeah. taking anything I, I'd like, away from from what he does. Just my thing. Well, you know, here we are, two white guys. So maybe we don't have the proper perspective. Uh, but let me tell you, I think, um, you know, I'm aware of the inequities that are out there. I try to be cognizant of that. To the people who um, were offended, like I, I feel the gist of that. I really. I'm not trying to be blind to that. I'm trying to, you know, I talked with a couple people in more private settings about why they were so um, upset by this story. Uh, A lot of people think these things are mutually exclusive, but I am not afraid to say that I think um, we can improve a lot of things about society and hiring practices and who gets opportunities. But I don't think Ben Verlander needs to be the face of what is wrong with the world. Because I just don't. I just don't think that's accurate. No, no, you're right, and we can, we can leave it out. We we can leave it right there in the sense that like things should need to be better. This is not an example of where there's a space being taken away from somebody. Um, let's go on, Cody, to Alex Fiedo, who made his first career start. It's part of a doubleheader uh, this week. Long-awaited, although... Can, can you have like the combination of being long-awaited but also rushed? Because, <laughs> because he, he found that line perfectly. Because it's like, oh yeah, you know, Tommy John, you know, he had a... Co- oh yeah, he, he's, he's in Detroit now. He's got to start a game. Um, five innings, eight hits, which is obviously high. Uh, two runs. He had a strikeout and a, and a walk. Uh, as as we talked about Brisky a while back, uh, m- my thing is, especially with the first round pick, 
coming back from injury, sort of been like left behind in a way with the ascension of other talents. Called on in a situation that wasn't, you know, storybook. How do you handle it? You know, what what do you look like, you know, in in the moment, especially pitchers, position players, hitters, it's a little different, but you know, that's that's as isolation as it comes being on their mound, you know what I mean? And I came away impressed with that. I came away w- impressed with his ability to mitigate the circumstances of the game. Uh, the Pirates, to their credit, had a really good game plan, as you pointed out in your story. I think that he will have better numbers given some more outings than that. But I came away being like, all right. This is a guy. This is a guy that you can have in your arsenal. Not overrating it. This is a guy you can have in your arsenal as an organization. And and we talked about Al earlier. You put this in your story. I thought it was really nice this whole like embrace at, that you you know talked about with between Al and Alex about like and 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 not necessarily Al per se, but just like you know if you're Alex Fiedo, like this is the guy that you know. But you know, took a chance on you. So like, they, you know, that that's nice. That's nice. That's what baseball is all about. Uh, all about. You know what I mean? Uh, that was kind of my takeaway um, with the Fayetto outing. What you were there? That was the beginning when you know the the games were in Comerica. What 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 would you what you kind of think from the former uh, Florida Gator? You know, someone I was talking to someone on the field before the game, and they were just kind of like, "What do you think Fayetto's going to do?" I was like, "I could really see him getting through." five and like allow two or three runs and be fine uh because that's really i think always was his rap his mo a little bit and it's really who he's become um i think later in his career he throws a lot of strikes he has good stuff nothing overwhelming but he's he's gonna throw strikes he's gonna compete he's uh not gonna get you know hit out of the building or or you know walk in walk four guys in an inning very often and really, that's what he went out there and did. I think we've talked a lot about demeanor recently. I think of all these young guys, Fiedo is by far the most easygoing. I thought he looked really relaxed when he went out there on the mound. I thought his delivery was very fluid. I liked his mechanics. I was kind of surprised to see both he and AJ Hinge admit after the game, like, oh no, he was pretty tense. He was pretty anxious because I did not detect that in his body language. Thought he threw a lot of strikes with the fastball. Fido's best pitch is a slider, and he didn't really have the slider. Like, I've seen his slider work better in spring training outings, definitely in uh, 2019 in Erie. So he can be a little, he can be even better than he was. Um, he gave you a chance to win. I did, I was like, ooh, this came fast for him. You know, he basically had one rehab outing in, in Toledo or whatever, and then boom, he's up there. But I thought he held his own because I think that's kind of the talent level he is. He's a guy who can hold his own at this level. Um, I don't know exactly what his long-term projection looks like. You know, I do. I do. I I think he's a tier below Mize and Scooble and those guys. But I think he's a major league pitcher. And um, I was impressed with how he handled his, his debut in not obviously the easiest of circumstances. Are the Tigers the best team in baseball at... No, <laughs> at at giving young <laughs> pitchers like uh, metaphorical calluses to toughen them up, because you know you talk about like giving the team a he gave the team a chance to win final score two to seven. 
you know, like, <laughs> and and, 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 and Bo experienced this too, you know, where it's like, welcome to the bigs, kid. Sometimes, it, sometimes their hitters are better than the guys that you have in your line. <laughs> These guys should be lucky that no one cares about the win stat anymore, you know, for starting pitchers. That's not something I ever look at for guys anymore. Uh, but if you looked at it for, uh, I think pretty much, you know, including Mize and Scooble even last year, like it's it's, it's not great. <laughs> no doubt. Um, speaking of pitchers, though, and injuries, uh, some encouraging news. Some encouraging news. We haven't gotten a lot of that, but Matt Manning made a uh, made a start in Toledo today. He went three innings, allowed uh, one hit, had four strikeouts, zero walks. And according to Dan Dickerson on the radio, 24 of 36 pitches went for strikes. That's good. Uh, I will be honest, I was very surprised. Because as much as I believe in his stuff, it's not like he was doing that in Lakeland. Like, doing that in Toledo, I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't know, I was more impressed by it there. I think he's going to make two or three more starts before they kind of bring him back up to Detroit, but... Uh, and, I, and I think Casey Mize is about to or did throw a bullpen. Mm-hmm. So he, he he's thrown multiple bullpens and he threw a live oh, okay. BP, two innings, I think 20 pitches in each inning. I think that was Saturday. He is going to do another live BP slash simulated game early this you know this week and should begin his rehab assignment after that. My or Manning, obviously, like you said, He'll probably have a couple more rehab outings. They want to build that pitch count back up. Mize might be even somewhat of a slower process. So it's not like these dudes are going to be back in the majors next week, but they are on the path. There's a plan in place. That's good. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen the the Manning outing. I didn't watch it. I'd be curious to know how many fastballs he threw because uh, he has pretty good fastball command. You know Where he's struggled in the big leagues is when he's not locating his secondary pitches. Um on the general day, he can command his fastball, and even though his career ERA in Toledo is actually really bad, like maybe after some time in the big leagues, it's easy to be like, all right, I'm just going to go up here and blow 96, 97 past this guy. Which, you know, by the way, is not um, a bad attitude so to have when to you're, you know, when when you're, you know, on that way up. Yeah. So I, I ain't mad about that in the least bit. Um. All right. Uh. Let's go to the uh, AJ Hinch suggestion box of the week. I'll I'll kind of start this out. Long-time listeners know that I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm president, but I'm definitely like a, uh, I'm definitely an officer of the Derrick Hill fan club. And I do not apologize for that. I love seeing him bat lead off a couple times this week. I want to see more of that. And actually, that was going to be my suggestion until it happened. So here's where I'm going to land on it. Victor Reyes is probably is a guy that's going to be back in the mix. I don't know. It's not really a timetable, I guess, but soonish. Like it's around. It, it it's going to be coming. So someone's going to have to move. And right now, right now, I'm I'm sticking with Derek Hill, and I'm gonna have Akil Badu get a reset in Toledo and as much as I 
love watching Akil Badu this week. He finally, you know, had the stolen base and the helmet flying. And I just, you know, with Derek Hill, you're getting elite level defense. He also has the prowess on the base pass. And right now, you, you, you can't bank on Badu's bat over Hills. You just can't. Like, it, like the, we have not seen the evidence this year. The other day, Derek Hill had a three-hitting ga- a three-hit game. Akil Badu, so far this year, does not have one multi-hit game. And last year, only had three three-hit games. So that's just a small sort of anecdotal stat half-assed research but like i said elite defense akil badu still trying to figure that part out i'm sticking with Derek hill as of now because hell like if the bats a wash base running's a wash and i think hill's a little bit better of a base runner but we'll just call it a wash get the elite defense reyes can play any outfield spot i'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Derek Hill over Akil Badu whenever the time comes when Reyes is back ready to go. Yeah, I agree with you. And if I had to guess, I think that's what will happen. Don't know that for a fact, but it's what all signs are kind of pointing to right now. Kind of pains me to say that because uh, I like Akil. You know, I, I believe yeah, in too. his ability to a, a pretty good extent. Like we said last week, maybe that's the theme of this week's episode. Not everything has to yep. be a referendum. AJ Hinch. Talking about Houston, Ben Verlander, like Akil Badu, if he were to get a reset in AAA. These things can happen more in a vacuum, and we don't have to panic and say, oh, it was, you know, was Akil a one-hit wonder, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it'd be good for him right now. We saw it happen to Jamer Candelario in 2019. True. Dude went on to be back-to-back Tiger of the Year in 2020 and 2021. Uh, so it's not always the end of the world, even for guys who have played in the big leagues for a year. My AJ Hinch suggestion box. I th- I think a lot more things are going to change in the next couple weeks as Mize, as Manning, you know. You got to do some maneuvering to get your pitching rotation kind of back in line. But if we're being honest, how often is your pitching situation ever easy? I'm just going to say kind of a vote of confidence for Bo, Bo Brisky. His first three outings all been pretty good. He's shown some toughness. He's shown... Uh, he can throw strikes. He's a guy who I think is going to keep getting better. I think you should try to keep Bo Brisky in this rotation, if at all possible. Now, if you get Mize, Manning, Scooble, Pineda, and Eduardo Rodriguez, obviously that's that's five guys right there. So who knows? But you know, as like we talked about with the the Joe Torre thing, like you and I both know, I won't have to make a decision. He once told Joel Joel Sherman when he had kind of pitching logjam. I think if there's a, a rotation spot open here in a couple weeks, or if someone else were to get hurt, if there's even some sort of minor injury, like, man, I, I like what Bo Brisky has shown, and I think you got to roll with him as long as he's still pitching well. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big believer in, you know, the guy proves that he belongs. You don't have to throw him out the club, you know what I mean? So... Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, we'll we'll wrap up here. I I'm uh, yeah, I I've got another one. It kind of okay. just now came to me. Is it? So Fulmer had his first bad outing yeah. of the season on mm-hmm. Saturday, but is it? 
And I still believe in Soto, too. Like, I, we've, we've talked about this. I think Soto's still really good. I, could, I wouldn't mind giving the ninth inning to Fulmer. At least, maybe, like, more often. You talk about trust in your club. Like, I just feel a little more at ease when Fulmer enters a game. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Michael Fulmer get more shots in kind of a ninth inning safe situation. Well, the beauty of AJ Hinch is uh, bullpen philosophy is that he's like, well, yeah. don't yeah, he did call the closer closer, but it's like, oh, you know, I just liked Fulmer there. You know, he can, he right. can sell that. Oh, you know, Soto fit him in against some lefties, put him in a better position to succeed. Uh, I think both guys are really good pitchers. I think Fulmer. Is just just a little more puts puts everyone in the ballpark at ease a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, and still throws nasty stuff. Still throws. Yes, he, does, nasty he stuff. does. And you know, closer's not like quarterback. Like you can have multiple of them. You yeah, that the guys that yeah. you believe in, and it, it and, and it, it's not like you have zero if you have two. So yeah, I ain't mad at that either. Um, all right, to uh, to finish up, I wanted to give a shout out. A unpaid shameless plug to Rib Rack Barbecue Products. They have sauces and rubs. I used their rub this week, just their original barbecue rub. That is a Michigan-based company in uh, Birmingham, is where uh, mm. where they're based at. According right up the according road, according to their label on the bottle. I actually bought this rub in New York because it was not available in Texas. I had it in my check or in my carry-on because I didn't check a bag, and TSA proceeded to open it up and pour about an eighth out in order to test it. It was sealed and all that stuff, so they broke the seal, you know, and and to test it, put it in little, you know, in their computer system and like all this stuff. The whole because I had two rubs. The whole thing took about thirty minutes. Obviously, we had plenty of time before the flight, but I'm just like staying there. It's a it's in it's in uh, LaGuardia. We're in this like really narrow hallway, so I'm having like step back Oof. so people can kind of like walk by as they're going through security. It took forever. So, according to TSA, rib rack rubs have nothing harmful in them. I can confirm that. There's no, there, you know, nothing that is uh, could do damage on an airplane. And having tasted it. It's pretty dang good. Their motto is like simple ingredients, you know, better food or, you know, something like that. And uh, I, like I said, I made a record ribs with them. There's not that much sugar in it. So I spritzed with cherry Dr. Pepper and it was a Ooh, really nice, I like really that nice flavor profile. Uh, there's nothing podcast or not that much even detroit tigers related on this but i post all the things that i like smoke on my instagram because i don't know i have nowhere else to put it so if you want to follow me on instagram to see what i do and what products i use i get paid nothing i get paid nothing i just plug the ones that i like you can follow me on instagram at kieran steckley and and uh and see what i do it's not that creative it's not that good it's not even good photos i just i don't know i just do it because i like it it's fun sort of like this podcast i do it because it's fun i enjoy it so, uh, so if you if you if you, if you feel so inclined, you can see like, uh, like the products that I like to use and the and the food that I make and judge it and you know criticize me if you want. It's okay, I can take it. But Rib Rack, Michigan based, I'll have to get some of their sauces. I got I bought a Cajun wrap, or excuse me, Cajun, um, spice version recently, and I'll have to try that out. But their original barbecue rub, do recommend. 
Very good. Appreciate the rec. I'm gonna have to go try that out. I haven't had it. Yeah, I'm sure they sure. They, it seems like they got a variety of products and stuff. And being a Michigan yeah. company, I'm sure they're all available at your local grocery retailer and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, anything else, Cody? Before we get out of here, I think that covers it. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and at the very least, I hope you enjoyed this podcast more than what the product was on the field this week with certain uh, exemptions, uh, exemptions, I guess. But uh, if you feel so inclined, follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at TurnCornerPod. Please subscribe, rate, and review Apple, Spotify if you feel so inclined and subscribe to The Athletic so you can read Cody's stories. And, and here's, here, here's a parting note. Here's a parting note. If the Tigers keep playing this poorly might be a blessing for the whole world because that might mean we have to bring back college chronicles because there will be not nothing else to talk about at the very least can they if they're gonna lose can they at least start losing in different ways so we don't have to, so we don't have to <laughs> you know kind of keep talking about the same kind of losses i was like man if they lost three to two today i don't know what i was gonna do you know like <laughs> it was just a if we get another week of that i will come up with some drunken college story and we will talk about it that's a deal that's a deal a big homestand coming out uh you're gonna be very busy cody so i can't wait to read uh read your work uh in the athletic which again if you're not a subscriber please do it's well worth the price so i hope everybody has a great week thank you for listening for cody staven cody stavenhagen excuse me i'm kieran steckley everybody we'll see you next time